You're welcome to the teaching ministry of Reverend Dr. Femi Olale or IKEA Christian Center Global. Get set to be edified. The word works. It's invincible. So he introduces a personality, a person who is in the invincible, actively working in a visible realm. So you now see that the visible and the invincible are actually what? Present in the same chapter. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The invincible moved on the, what, the visible. The invincible God moved in the visible realm. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And it now comes to say, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And we've said before that the light spoken of in Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 is not talking about the sun and the moon. Because later on we see sun and the moon, all right, being created. All right, in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6, we it, it actually um, we actually now begin to see in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 6 that the light, all right, spoken of in Genesis chapter 1 is the light, all right, of Zoe, the light of Christ. So Jesus Christ comes in St. John's gospel and tells us that I am the light of the world. I am the light of of the world in St. John's Gospel, chapter 1. All right, um, Jesus Christ said, um, Sorry, um, um uh, Apostle John says, In him was life, as for in him was life, and the life was what the light of men. So you now begin to see there, all right, that Genesis chapter 1 is not a chronology of how God scientifically or scientifically created the heavens and the earth. No, Moses is actually introducing, all right, the realities of the physical and the spiritual realm to us in Genesis chapter 1. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He tells us that there is God. All right. He tells us that there is the Holy Spirit. Then the next thing he introduces is the word of God. And God said, let there be light. So you have introduced to you in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 1 to 3 and 4, God. All right. Then the spirit of God. Then the next is what? The word of God. You have God introduced to you. You have the Spirit of God introduced to you. And you have the Word of God introduced to you. Now, another thing for us to actually note, and I've stressed this, Gospel Genesis, Genesis unveiled. Um, I don't know what I called it, praise God, because I've called many things, many things over the years. But I stress to you that in Genesis chapter 1, when you are reading the communication of Moses, it's very important for us to note that Moses many times used certain um terminologies okay um and you would not be able to understand it in depth until we, you read the entire scriptures for example moses uses serpents in genesis chapter 3 verse 1 turn to genesis chapter 3 verse 1 he says um quickly he says now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made, and he said unto the woman. Now, it now looks as though Moses was talking about a physical serpent. Are you following what I'm saying? All right. But when we read in Revelations, all right, we now begin to find that the word serpent is used to refer most time to who? To the devil. Amen. All right. For example, in general, let's look at Revelations, where the devil is or, or serpent is called. He called. It's called our old serpent. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's called the old serpent. Just a moment. Let's look at this. All right. Revelations. 
Turn to Revelation chapter, um, which one should we look at? Revelation 12 and verse 9. It says, and the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent, you see that? Or that word old can be translated ancient. So that means when he says old serpent, he's referring to someone that if you read the scriptures, you, this, this is not the first place you are seeing this character called the serpent. So in that he calls him old, it means he's Asian. That means there is somewhere else we find this guy mentioned and we found in Genesis chapter number three. He said that old serpent called what? The devil. And Satan, which deceived the whole world. Is that correct? He deceived the whole world. Now, who did he deceive in Genesis chapter three? He deceived Eve. So that means the person who began to deceive in scripture was called a serpent in Genesis 3, but it's actually who? The devil. Are you seeing that? So you now begin to understand Moses' approach in that Moses uses, okay, physical emblems to refer to spiritual realities. So he calls the serpent, all right, he calls the devil the serpent. But the devil was a spiritual being. Hallelujah. Now, there's something I want us to even note and, and take note of. In that, is that in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve were in the garden, but they had frequent fellowship with a spirit being. That immediately tells us that God created man to comfortably be able to relate with spiritual beings. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I, I'm not talking about the man who is saved or unsaved. I'm talking of any man. It is why you find in scriptures that there were unsaved people who spoke with angels. Case in point, if you look at the story of Cornelius, Acts of the Apostles chapter 10, the Bible makes us understand that he was praying and fasting, he was not saved. Yet, Cornelius had an encounter with an angel. Praise the Lord. He had an encounter with an angel. Amen. Agar had an encounter with an angel. If you study in the book of Genesis chapter number 4, Cain and Abel, after Cain slew Abel, the Bible makes us understand that Cain heard God's voice. Cain, he heard God's voice. You have several people who were not necessarily saved who had interactions with spiritual beings. Showing you that men, hallelujah, were created with that ability to engage the spiritual realm. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. So you see, serpent there in Genesis chapter 3. is right there in the garden. The serpent there is the devil. Then you now find out that God, in the um, dominion proclamation, given to Adam and Eve, Okay, Adam, praise God. All right, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, look at it. Let's look at it. Let's look at what he says. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Pay attention to the teaching, no? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. Look at what he says. He says, And God said, Let us make man in our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over what? The fish of the sea, and over what? The fowl of the air, and over what? The cattle, and over what? All the earth, and over what? Every creeping thing 
that creepeth upon the earth. Now, from this categorization, we know that we have that the things God gave man dominion over were fowl of the air, that is things in the air, is that correct? Then, which one again? Fish of the sea, that is beneath the earth. Then, you now have on the earth. So, you have above the earth, beneath the earth, and where? On the earth, is that correct? Now, if you look at the paradigms of the authority that Jesus has, that was given to Jesus, you are going to find out that reference is made to those three locations. Philippians chapter number 2. Let's look at it. Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verse 9. Look what this says. It says, Wherefore God, uh, uh, God also had highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things where? Of things where? In heaven. And things where? And things where? Are you seeing that? So you see that in Genesis 1.26, it says God gave dominion, fall of the air, that's heaven, all right? Fish of the sea, that's under the earth, and where? On the earth, all right? That is creeping things, that creep at the top of the earth, that's on the earth. So you have three locations where God gives uh, Adam authority. Then in Philippians 2, verse 9, it now says, I've given Jesus the same authority. Remember, we've said severally that Genesis 1:26, where the Bible talks about, you know, I've made let us make mine our image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion. We've said that that dominion was not given to who? It was not given to what? To the first man. Because that first man did not have or walk in that dominion. Where do we get this from? Hebrews chapter 2. See this. Hebrews chapter 2, in case you think the dominion over fish is actually catching fish and eating it. No. Fish there is a representation. Moses uses that language just as he uses serpent as a representation, all right, for, uh, what do you call it now, for, for the devil. He uses it as a representation. Jesus also uses it. I'm going, to, I'm going to show you that also. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 2 quickly. Hebrews 2, from verse 5. It says, For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. Hold on. Hmm. There's something I want to notice here. It says, For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. Unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come. It does seem as so, as though Though God did not put the, um, the world to come in subjection under the angels, it appears there was a world that was put in sub. Are you following the... Because if you say he didn't put the world to come under subjections of angels, that is in the future. Come on now. Are you following what I'm talking about? So that means that there is a future world where angels are not in charge. You, you understand what I'm talking about? But we get there. He says, For unto the angels had he not put in subjection the world to come, whereof we speak. But one in certain place testifies, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visited him? Thou madest him a little lower than what? 
the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and this set him over the works of what? Thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under what? His feet. Now listen. For in that he put all in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. Are you seeing this? But now we see not yet all things put. So that means he's saying, it is written in the scriptures that God puts all things under the subjection of man. But we don't see that in man. The only person we see it in, look at it. Next verse, he now says, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the sovereign of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he by the grace of God should taste death for every man. Which means, all right, the prophecy of Psalm 2 and Genesis 1, 26 is not fulfilled in Adam. It is fulfilled in who? In Jesus. So that means Genesis 1, 26 was speaking of who? Jesus. So was the dominion or the authority God gave Jesus authority over fish? Was it authority over birds? Was it authority over what? Uh, creeping things on the earth? No. The authority that was given to Jesus was authority over what? Principalities and... Are you paying attention? Are you paying attention? Which means, therefore, that Moses' way of communicating principalities and powers was what? Fish of the sea, birds of the air, and cattle and all of those things. Praise God. Look at this again. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 1. For those of us joining, we run an hybrid midweek service, so most people don't come physically. We give you that grace because we understand how hectic Lagos traffic can be. Hallelujah. But I'm always tempted to change it. But I think I get it. Because even me, sometimes, to get from office to here is war. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now listen. So, pay attention. It says, Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 19. Says, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, what we believe, according to the working of what? His mighty power. Verse 20, everybody read. Which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him where? In what? So, right hand in heavenly places is Genesis 1.26. Because right hand speaks of authority. Right hand speaks of what? Dominion. Where do we have the examples? When Joseph was lifted up to the right hand of Pharaoh, what did it mean? It means Joseph had authority over Egypt. Are you following? Come on, are you following? Uh-huh. So he says, um, what was that? What was that? What was that? Uh-huh. Which he wrote in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in what? Heavenly places. 21, he now says, far above what? All principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also, all right, in that which is to come. And I put all things, what are the all things? Principalities and powers and dominion and might. Under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Are you following? Now, we are going to answer certain things. You know this heavenly places business. 
heavenly places. What does it mean? Let me put our hands there because in the Greek, heavenly, that word heavenly is epuranos. And most times, if you check in your Bible, if you have a good Bible, places is usually in italics. So it's not talking about heavenly places as in there are plurality of places. You understand? No. You understand? It's just heavenly. Now, I've said this over the years, and I think I have to say it again. When the Bible talks about heaven or heavenly places, we need to understand what it is saying. It's like Genesis 1 verse 1, when it says, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now, there is the heaven people go when they die. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. That should not be confused. Okay. Wait, when we are talking about Genesis 1 1. Because that heaven is part of that in the beginning. God created the heaven and the earth. Notice it's the heaven and the earth. The heaven there is talking about everything invincible. Praise the Lord. That means everything in the invincible realm. Glory to God. And you are going to notice that the apostles, whenever they wanted to communicate where they went to, after they died, they never said, we are going to heaven. They usually would say, um, like Paul would say, I'm, I'm in a twist. I think Philippians 1. I'm in a twist between two. Whether to stay, which is profitable to you, or to go. All right? He said, what, what was, all right, if I stay, I am with you. He said, to be absent from the body is to be present where? With the Lord. So, they talked about Life after death for the Christian has been where? With the Lord. That's how they communicated it. The focus was not heaven. Are you following what I'm saying? The focus was what? The Lord. Because for the believer, we are not going to heaven. Heaven. No. We are citizens of heaven now. Are, are you following what I'm saying? So, heaven for the believer is not communicated in the epistles are something we are some place we are going to are, they, are you yes, Philippians look at it Philippians chapter 3 from verse 18 it says for many work of whom I have told you often and now tell you with me that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ 19 whose end is destruction whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame who mind what earthly things Earthly things means physical, what you can see. Hmm. For our what? For our conversation. That word conversation is behavior. Our behavior is in where? Church now. Is in where? From whence we what? From whence also we look for? We are looking for the Savior from where? Heaven. That word conversation is the Greek word polytuma. It is better translated citizenship for our citizenship. It's in heaven. Epuranos. That means heavenly. That means invincible. Are you following? Are you following? Our conversation is invincible. All right? Invincible is not from the physical. It's from the supernatural. It is from the invincible. That's what he's saying. 
So there is another civilization that is not an earthly civilization. The believer, the moment he believes, is translated into that civilization. While he's still here on earth. So, heaven is not a future reality to the Christian. Heaven is a present hour reality to the Christian. Bible heaven no, is within my body. And my body is in the earthly realm. What is saying clearly is that because I am born again and I'm born of the spirit of God, hallelujah, I am already, and my spirit man is not physical. My spirit man is a what? It's a spiritual reality. Glory to God. All right. I am already in a spiritual reality. Hallelujah. My body is not, not in that spiritual reality. No, my body is on the earth. So it tells me, all right, because you are in a spiritual place already, because you're already in heaven, mortify your body your body is on the earth do not let your body lead you in the direction of earthly things because you are not your earthly reality amen so he says because you are risen you are seated with christ in heaven set your affections your spirit man is already there he says drag your soul and your body to desire what heavenly beings desire So he's teaching renewing of the mind, exchanging of desires from the standpoint of heavenly consciousness. From the standpoint of Christ consciousness. Hallelujah. I'm not done. Let's look at this again. Ephesians chapter 1. And verse 3. Can we read? Are you there? Are you there? All right, can we read? What does it say? Why is it only one person that is talking now? Everybody read one, two, they say what? Yes. Go ahead, read again. Let's see what? So bless me. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places? So where did he bless us? In heavenly places with all spiritual blessings. So if the blessings are spiritual, the location is spiritual. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, if he has if he says he has blessed us with spiritual blessings. In heavenly places, it means we also, the recipients of the spiritual blessings, are what? Are spiritual. We are in the spirit. Praise God. We are in the spirit. So, he explains what the Bible now says. Ye are in the spirit if the spirit of Christ dwells where? In you. Romans 8. So, that means the man who is born again, hallelujah, does not enter the spirit. He is in the spirit. He is of the spirit. The man who is born again is not on his way to heaven. He is seated in heaven already. He is blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places already. That is his reality. So it means, therefore, that our functioning must therefore be from where we are seated. Heaven. Are you seeing this? Come on. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? 
So, when we are saying we want to storm the gate of heavens, are you seeing the switch? Are you seeing the switch? If you see yourself as outside of the gates, you will be thinking of storming a gate that is, a, is locked against you. But if you understand that you are inside the city, aye, hallelujah, you are already inside. Amen. Look at this. Let me show you something. Look at how Jesus says, says it. In John chapter 3, verse 13. John 3, 13. So we see clearly that heaven is actually referring to the spiritual realm. Heaven is actually referring to the spiritual realm where God is king. So that's why you find Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is of this. So he talks about two things. When Jesus talks about uh, talking about talks about the kingdom, he talks about the kingdom from two in, in two in two ways. You, you know, there's the kingdom of men, amen. But there's now the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of what of heaven. The kingdom of God, all right. That's where God is king. Kingdom Basilia. Basilia means the reign, dominion of God. But when he now talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's talking to you about the fact that the kingdom of God, hallelujah, is an invincible kingdom. So the kingdom of heaven explains to you the nature and the character of the kingdom of God. That means it is not of this world. So when you are hearing kingdom of God, stop thinking of this world. So the kingdom of God is not in meat or drink. Hallelujah. It's in the invincible. It's in the spiritual. So when we are talking about God ruling a man's heart, we are not going to see any physical thing on that man. All right? We are going to see a manifestation in the physical, but the manifestation in the physical is based on the invincible spirit of God that is dwelling where? Inside the man. So you now have terms like manifestation used to communicate the activities of that invisible spirit of God. No man has seen that spirit of God anywhere, but we can manifest him. So when a man is speaking in tongues, we say, we can't see the spirit, but we are seeing the manifestation of the spirit. When you see miracles happen, we can't see the spirit, but we are seeing what? So manifestation, that very communication called manifestation is pointing to the fact that there is an invisible personality. There is an invisible reality that cannot be seen, but can be felt. And its activities can be seen because this is the kingdom of the unseen. This is the kingdom of the invincible. This is the kingdom of heaven. This is the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Are you following? Are you following? We just are you following this thing? You see, if you if if you have the switch of this thing, eh, it changes everything. Changes how you pray. It changes how you work miracles. Because the kingdom of heaven no longer is there. It now is here and around. Praise God. So if you have a sick man in front of you, you want to bring a manifestation of the blessings of the kingdom of heaven that is around. Because all of a sudden you become conscious that you are standing in front of that man, they are being standing with you. 
<laughs> Amen. When somebody comes for prayer, and you say in the mighty name of Jesus, you are conscious of the fact that you are not going to get anything done with your own might. No, they are beings with you. But they are invincible. So, one of the very important ingredients or principles to function in the kingdom of heaven is faith. So that's why it's always repeated. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Because sight is how the earth, the physical part of God's creation, is related with. But faith is how the invincible part of God's creation is related with. So to walk in the kingdom of heaven, you need faith, not sight. Hallelujah. It is why Elisha did not need to see the angels surrounding him to know the angels were there. He was operating by, by faith. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now, look at it. Let us look at when we talk about heavenly. What does that mean? Let's look at a few places. Heavenly. We've said heavenly is Epiranos. He's talking about things. When he says, the one the Bible communicates above, it means unseen. So, for example, the Bible tells us that Jesus went to Jordan. And he says the heavens opened. I never thought about it. What exactly does the heavens open mean? Because, some, you know, as they've done it for us in some of the movies, they will show the sky. I mean, the sky opened like this. Then a dove came down. Me and you know now, from understanding of geography and all that, that above the clouds, there's nothing supernatural there. How many of you have flown in plane? When you flew above the cloud, did you see God there? No. So when it actually says, and the heavens opened, he's talking about the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. It is like we are praying now, and we see a vision. You say the heavens opened. It's the spiritual realm he's talking about. He's saying, all right, and the heavens opened. That means there was a vision. Okay? All right? Something supernatural happened. What John is trying to communicate. And what the gospel writer is trying to communicate was that the moment Jesus was baptized, the moment he came up, you understand? All right? So, you know, came up, all right? John the Baptist entered into a vision. And in the vision, he saw the Spirit of God descend upon him. Because it was John that gave the account that the heavens opened and the Spirit came. And the Bible says, he now testified that for the one who sent me to baptize said, that the person upon whom you see the spirit descend and remain is he one that baptized with what the Holy Ghost and with what every other person there did not see anything. Did not see anything? It was just John the Baptist. Hallelujah. So heavens opened is a communication or a spiritual reality. He said, had a vision. All right, heavens opened. Angel came down. The heavens opened. Something supernatural happens. And you've noticed something. When the Bible talks about a closed heaven, it's talking about a scenario where nothing supernatural is happening. You understand? Are you following? Uh-huh. When there's open heaven, something supernatural is happening. 
Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. So let's look at other places where heaven shows up. All right? Praise God. It's heavenly. That's invincible. Communicating. All right? That which is not of this world. Heavenly. Look at Acts 26 verse 19. That is not of this world. Heavenly. Invincible. God created the visible and the invisible. Remember that? Colossians chapter 1, 15 to 16. So that means there are realities in the invincible. Okay? Um, Acts 26, 19. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient until the heavenly vision. So I did, the heavenly vision means that the vision came from what? Outside of this world. It didn't come from, it wasn't from the earth. Praise God. It came from the invisible realm. So Agrippa would not be able to understand all right, because he's trying to tell Agrippa, this communication I'm communicating with you, did not, I did not orchestrate it in the earthly dimension. It came from powers above me. That's what he's communicating to Agrippa. Look at John 3, 12. Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, he said, if I have told you, if I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of what? Heavenly things. So there is earthly things, and there is what? Heavenly things. Earthly things, you can see it. Heavenly, you can't. Praise God. I said, praise God. Look at the same categorization. First Corinthians 15, 48. As is the earthy, such are they also that are what? Earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are what? Heavenly. Are you seeing that? So there are two classifications. Earthly, heavenly. There are two places people can come from. Earthly, heavenly. Praise God. I said, praise God. First Corinthians 15, 49. And as we are born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the world of the heavenly. Hallelujah. Now notice, the Bible tells us in First Corinthians 15, it says that Jesus is the Lord from heaven. Amen. All right. He said the first Adam man, first man Adam was made, that's First Corinthians 15, 45. First Adam was made the word a living soul, but what the second Adam was made the word a life-giving spirit. So, it tells us there that the man from heaven, that is Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. But it's an heavenly man, life-giving spirit. That tells you that though the heavenly realm is invincible, there are personalities and realities in that invincible realm. In that there was, Jesus is a man from, the, from heaven. Hallelujah. So, if there, was, if there is a person or a personality who is a reality from the heavenly realms, it means in the heavenly realms, there are realities, there are civilizations, there are truths, there are, um, uh, how would I put it, communications. There are things to know about that realm. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. All right, we've read Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. Now, in Ephesians 1 20, he said, which he wrought in Christ, when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand in what? In what? The heavenly. Now, in that Jesus is set at the right hand of God in the heavenly, shows us two things. Number one, God dwells in the heavenly. Number two, Jesus has dominion and authority in the heavenly. Number three, it means that dominion, um, ability, authority is vested in the invincible, not invisible. So if a man is going to exercise authority, it has to be given to him in the heavenly. So, that automatically communicates that earthly authority is, in, is inferior to heavenly authority. That the authority man or men give you is inferior to heavenly authority. You have a king in the earth. 
a king of a particular location, president of a country. That authority that that president is giving is earthly. It is inferior to the one given from the heavens. So a physical man can rule the territory and be child of a territory via earthly authority given to him. But there can be another man unknown who is actually ruling. To whom heavenly beings will respond to. Ah, there was something the Lord told me. He said, son, what is ministry grace? Uh, you know, when you ask those questions, I don't, I don't respond. Hey, what is ministry, ministry grace? He said, ministry grace is the ability I put on a man I have called and sent that causes spirit beings to respond to him in a particular way. That they will not respond to somebody else. Are you following? It is why when an apostle goes in a way, in a place, they are resolved that apostle will get. Hallelujah. Another ministry gift will not get. Or a teacher goes to a particular place. If he gets a result, an evangelist will not get. Why? Because the grace on him is God's intelligence communicating to the invincible how they should respond to that man. I just pray to God you are understanding what is coming out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Children of God, the born again. Every single one that is born again. God has put a grace on you that mandates the heavenly to respond in a particular way to you. Because the heavenlies has its own realities. And it is a place of superior intelligence to earthly intelligence. There are beings there created by God that have more intelligence than the human intelligence. We call them angels, right? Angels. They're spirit beings. They walk with children of God. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 12. Alright? They are all, are they all not ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who are the heirs of salvation? Heirs of salvation. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. They are in the heavenlies too. But the difference is that an angels are not seated with Christ in the heavenlies. No. The only people seated with Christ in the heavenlies are believers. Why? We are born of the image of the heaven. So when he sits, we sit. Hallelujah. So it's a joint sitting. Praise God. Praise God. Guys, from henceforth, when you want to pray, I want you to pray with the vision and the consciousness that you are praying from above. When I say above, I mean the heavenlies. Some prayer believers, when they are praying, all right, they see themselves coming from the earth, ascending to God. So they always have that this thing that something is blocking their prayer and all this kind of stuff. No, 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 no. You are not praying to God in heaven so that He will answer your prayer. No. You are praying to God, hallelujah, who is where you are. Salvation changed our location. 
In salvation, there was a translation from the kingdom of darkness, which is spiritual, to the kingdom of light, which is spiritual. Hallelujah. We were translated from being citizens of the earth. We became citizens of heaven. It means we are inside now. We have come to the Father. We are not trying to get to him anymore. Jesus said, you know what Jesus said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but what? But by me. Then he now later said in Matthew 6, Our Father who art where? In heaven. So it means when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man cometh to the Father. Where is the Father? In heaven. So if we come to the Father, where have we come to? We have come to where? Heaven. When? When we came to Jesus. He came. So, because we've come to the Father, and we have come to heaven, everywhere we go, we manifest the verities and the realities of heaven that we already located in. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. I said hallelujah. When you see it like that, if the believer is a citizen of heaven, hmm. <laughs> you know, if you want to relate this to tongues, let me show you something. When a man is speaking in tongues, it is a sign that he has been translated. The very fact that angels can't speak the tongues shows that the tongues is exclusive to the translated ones. Wait, first going about to say that speaker is unknown tongue. Speaketh not. Why is the tongue unknown? Why is the tongue unknown to natural men? Because the natural men have not been where this man born again is now in. He is in a new civilization. When the Bible talks about, when he says in Philippians 3.20, he says, for your conversation is in heaven. That word polytrimal is a civilization. He's, a, he's, a, he's talking about the order of societies. Civilization. So when he says your civilization is where? In heaven. He's talking about a new way of life. He's talking about a new language. He's talking about a, way, a new way of seeing things. It's, it's a new everything. So Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man is in God, he's a what? A new. Why does he say it's a new creation? Because this is a new way. This is nothing this man has ever been used to before. It's a new creation. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So that means he's saying, Welcome to a new dispensation. Your fathers have not seen anything like this. So they couldn't have told you about, you understand? He says, I has not seen, ears has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God had prepared for them that love him. Where did he prepare it? In heaven. Praise God. I said, praise God. I said, praise God. I said, praise God. Hmm. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So, the man who is born again, is seated with Christ. 
Far above principality and powers. Now, we will come to that far above principality and powers. Because the principalities and powers are in the invincible. So, what Paul is trying to communicate is that the invincible realm has the principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness, in the invincible. But where the believer is, glory to God, is in that part of the invincible that is called the right hand of the Father. Which means that this believer, who is at the right hand of the Father, has dominion over every other spirit in the heavens. The believer is a king spirit. Amen. Amen. He is ruling in conjunction with his Lord Jesus Christ. Enabled by his Lord. Because what Jesus is doing is he says, look, my, 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 my brothers and sisters, I have done the work. I died on the cross. And I opened heaven for you so you can enter in. Now, rule and reign until the enemy is put under what? My footstool. So Jesus is sitting down. He has entered into his rest. Praise God. Why we, glory to God, continue what? Enforcing the realities of the victory he gave us. So principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world, they are under our feet. Because we are not, we are not placed just above them. We are placed what? Far above them. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Now listen to me. So let us look at, just for, you understand. Let's look at this. It says in Ephesians 2, 6, And that raised us up together, and made us sit together in what? Heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, are we looking to sit in heavenly places? No. We are seated there where now. So what does that mean? What is he talking about? Heavenly places there is talking about, all right, invisible realms. It's talking about spiritual, spiritual location. All right, it's talking about where we are because we are born again. Praise God. Our spirit man. This is a description of where we are in our uh, spiritual. Praise God. So we are in heaven now. We have access to the spiritual, the invincible now. Glory to God. All right? The temples of the Old Testament, they built those temples to maintain a connection with the invincible. They built the temples for God to visit them there. Praise God. All right? So they were trying to get to the invincible. But in Christ Jesus, we are ushered in the invincible realm. We live in heaven now. So when we talk to our father, he hears us now. There is no distance. Glory to God. We have been noticed something very powerful. Listen. In Christ Jesus, we were made temples of the living God. Are you following what I'm... Now, what does that mean? If God, our father, is in heaven, then the Bible now says we have been made temples, for ye are temples of the living God. It means God, our father, now lives where? In us. So, in the believer, heaven has swallowed up that believer's reality. Because if God, who is in heaven, lives in the believer, 
it means that that believer has been submerged by the reality called God. So you find something like in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it communicates baptism. What does baptism mean? Baptism means to submerge somebody into something. Praise God. So now, the, 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 the way and manner the word baptize, bapt, baptism is used in the scripture, it is talking, communicating, buried inside the person. Immersed inside the person. You don't bring the person out. Amen. Amen. Now, you know when you baptize someone in water, you put him inside and you bring him out. Is that correct? But you see, baptism is talking about an immersion. So, it is an immersion that, causes, that results in the person immersed to be totally lost in what is immersed in. So, it is like, when you are baptized into Christ, the man that was dipped in is no more. The person we can now see is who? Christ. Galatians 3.27 he that has been baptized into Christ has done what? Has put on Christ. So we are not seeing the man. Who are we seeing? We are seeing who? Christ. So your new location, your new address is in heaven, in God, in Christ. So when we wage war in prayer, where are we waging war from? Where are we waging war from? From the heavens. From the heavens. From the heavens. <laughs> From where? From the heavens. From the heavens. From the heavens. From the heavens. Imagine how you are praying. Maybe you want to cast out, you cast out a devil. And the devil is trying to listen. He said, You say, Me, I am Ogechi. Oh, you know, I'm not first. What's the sign again? You know, they say, I am Ogechi, who is talking to you from the heavens. And in the name of Jesus, I have authority over you because I'm seated in heaven that is far above you. Get out in Jesus' name. The devil knows there's no fear here. I cannot win. Checks out. Praise God. When you are praying in tongues, you pray with the consciousness that you are communicating spiritual wisdom, hallelujah, from the right hand of the Father. Glory to God. From the what? The right hand of the Father. Right hand of the Father. Right hand of the Father. Speaking in tongues or tongues is the communication from the right hand. Because the Bible says, He that speaketh not, speaketh not unto what? He's not, why is he not talking to men? Because the language did not come from the men. The origin is not men. The origin is not earthly. So men cannot understand. It is the, oh glory to God. Hallelujah. This is the language of the translated. As he's talking in tongues, he's talking in tongues, he's communicating realities. Now, in the earthly plane, where you are talking in tongues and men are hearing you, they are calling it rubbish. Hallelujah. But where you really come from, hallelujah. I said, Where you really come from, hallelujah. Your father is, you know, he's, I mean, you are, you are communicating mysteries to your father. Communicating mysteries to your father. Then the Spirit of God now illuminates your mind. Then you now 
understand what you are saying in the language of the earth so that you can communicate that understanding to earthlings so they can understand what you know is being communicated from heaven glory to god i said glory to god i said glory to god say this with me heaven is my present reality now look at ephesians 3 verse 10 Praise God. I think we will close here. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. Hmm. So, we will continue on Sunday when we're looking at that Genesis 1 where it talks about the sun to rule by day and the moon to rule by night and the stars. So, you notice in Genesis 1, it talks about three celestial beings that were to rule. The sun, the moon, and the what? And the star. Is that correct? Yes. Then I told you on Sunday that what Moses was communicating there, glory to God, that he was most likely communicating because sun, actual sun, is not ruling anything. I, I don't know if you follow what I'm saying. It's always a sun. His sun is just shining. Moon is not ruling anything. Stars, it's not, it's like in Job chapter 36, verse 8, he says, When the stars sang together, and the sons of God do stars sing. Are you following what I'm saying? Stars don't sing. The stars there in Job is referring to the angels, they are the ones called sons of God. And remember, we also saw in on Sunday that. Moses tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, that there there was a division of the territories of the earth. All right? And it was assigned to spirit beings. I don't know if you remember remember that. Ah, see this one. They've forgotten this one. All right? You are not not around. Okay? Those of you that have other centers, let me tell you something you should wisely do. After you finish your service, Come and drink from come and you understand. <laughs> know what I'm teaching at that period. Don't miss out. All right, listen. Because when you look at it, praise God. In Genesis chapter six, you have sons of God looking at the daughters of men. Remember that? Genesis chapter eleven. Then men were building a tower to reach. I'm that the men were building a tower to reach to heavens. I'm even now know that they were not talking about reaching actual heaven where God is. You know those Jehovah Witness book that talked about ah, they now painted, painted the picture. They painted and they saw God sitting on the throne. Then under the cloud, they were now building a tower. Praise God! And the tower was almost reaching heaven. And God said, "Hey, they will soon reach me where I am." We need to go and scatter this thing. My God. You understand? No. Don't be silly. Glory to God. If they build that skyscraper, if they've not stopped building the skyscraper, I said, I mean, if they started building that skyscraper then, and they didn't stop now, they will not get anywhere because heaven is not a physical place. So you cannot build a physical structure to reach a spiritual heaven. What they are trying to build 
all right, was a tower, a temple, where they would have fellowship with devils. As we saw in Revelations, when the Bible talked about Babylon, that, oh, Babylon, that was become an habitation of evil spirits. Because in those days when they built towers, it, you know, towers and, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, things like the pyramid and temples, all those kind of gigantic structures, they built it as, an, uh, as a place to fellowship with their gods. You understand? And the gods were not idols. You know, there's idols. During this series, we look at it. There's idol, then there is the spirit being. They are not the same. The idol is dumb. It can't say anything. But the idol is a representative, a figurine of a spirit being. Are you following? <laughs> so we will look at it. Now, Moses communicated a lot of these things in some language. You understand? So we have to break it down. So we now understand that when Paul was talking about principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness, because you, you wonder, where did he see it in Old Testament? You understand what I'm saying? Where, where is principalities and powers in Old Testament? You, you get what I'm saying? But it's there. The host of heavens is there. You understand? Moon and star is there. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. What kind of prayer is that one? Is it, wait, if it, was, if it was referring to actual sun, can God answer it? Or did God answer it? No. He was not saying that when you go out in the, in the, in the, <laughs> in the day, the heat of the sun will not smite you. No. The sun is a spirit personality. The moon is a spiritual personality. God is protecting this man David is praying for from spiritual personalities. Because to smite the man is to smite to destroy him. So he's talking about the powers of the day and the powers of the night. That the powers of the day will not smite you. And the powers of the night will not smite you. That's what he's saying. The spiritual beings spiritual realities, but in Christ Jesus, we are far above. Not just above. Far above. So even when there is a king in a territory, we are the real kings. Hallelujah. Even when there are people with earthly authority, we have the real authority, which we wield in the place of prayer. So prayer is an exercise Glory to God. From the heavens, concerning things and matters on the earth. The man in Christ initiates prayer from where he is in heaven. Heaven. Because that is where help will be released from to enter the earth. And bring about the change. Praise the Lord. Have we learned anything today? Have we learned everything today? Anything today? All right. If you learned anything, um, those of you online, share with us using the hashtag or CC, uh, Mega or the other hashtags we use, Resurge. All right. Now we're going to continue on Sunday. Then next week, Wednesday, 
and we'll come continue that way. We're going to answer certain questions, the um, questions concerning sons of God, um, Psalm 82, all right? Remember Psalm 82? Ye are God, and all of you are children of the Most High, but you shall fall like men, but you shall fall like men. You shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. So we're going to get to clarify some things because there is a lot of communication in the Old Testament that was uh, communicated in such a way that you cannot immediately tell that spiritual personalities were being referred to. So a lot of times theologians have made the mistake because in the mindset they didn't think it was spiritual personality being referred to. They've alluded to it being referring to men. You understand? So Psalm 82, many who have thought that Psalm 82 is talking about men. You understand? Then in Genesis chapter 6, when the Bible, even may have taught it before, when it was talking about sons of God sleeping with the daughters of men. Now, because a lot of scholars were like angels, how can angels sleep with women and they have offspring? And they go to um, St. Matthew's Gospel chapter 19, where Jesus Christ says that angels cannot marry, neither are they giving in marriage. But you notice what Jesus did not say. Jesus said angels do not marry, neither are they giving in marriage. Jesus did not say more than that. So that statement does not indirectly invalidate. Are you following? <laughs> so in Genesis 6, some people have said that what that means, which I was saying was the sons of Seth. That the sons of God there is referring to the sons of Seth. And the sons of men refers to the sons of King. The daughters of men refers to, in fact, certain rabbinic writings teach that. Praise God. A lot of... Right? But the, the issue now is, how do you now explain the giants? Are you following what I'm saying? How do you explain the giant? Then how do you now explain the explosion of wickedness that followed? Then how do you now explain Jude, chapter 1, that talks about the angels that did not stay in their first estates? Then Second Peter, chapter 2, that says the same thing. Twice, it refers to certain angels that did not stay in their first estate. It didn't say it was Satan. It didn't say it was there. We said certain angels. They were angels. He was referencing Old Testament, right? So we are going to look at those things and answer those questions. You understand? Okay. We are, you understand? And you look at it. And so it's just good for us to look at it and understand and study it. All right. Uh, after this, so you will now be able to understand how best to deal all right with this this kind these kinds of beings let me tell you something i've learned about the realm of the spirit and entities inside a lot of christians prefer to act as though they are not evil powers in this world so they say we are sitting with christ far above principality and powers so automatically they interpret that to mean those powers don't exist are you following what I'm saying? You were raised above them to comfort and put them in their place. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? Which means that the authority you were giving is for confrontation. How do I know? Look at Jesus. 
Check it. The very sign Jesus said shall follow them that believe is what? This sign shall follow them that believe. They shall what? Why? Why is he saying they shall cast out devils? Because the believing man will have frequent confrontations with devils. He puts casting out devils as a sign before tongues. Do you understand? Before tongues. So they shall cast out devils. Jesus saying that they shall cast out devils, which means that the new birth is an introduction to spiritual warfare. In which spiritual warfare means walking in your authority, walking in dominion. Hallelujah. Doesn't mean we are overly conscious of devils. No. It means we are overly conscious of our authority and our placing far above them. And based on that, we exercise our authority over them in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more messages, kindly search for our Telegram channel using the link t.me slash oikiasisi. God has blessed you.